all good, baby, baby. Uh, it was all so if you're ready to break the generational cycle of poverty, revolving prison doors, and a lack of education that's holding us all back, then now's the time to do something about it. So to move from gutter to greatness, it all begins with a change in mindset. Here's your host, Dr. Paul Miller. Hey, everybody, we're back again for another episode of From the Gutter to Greatness. I am your host, Dr. Paul Miller, and I am here today to really go in a little on healing is helpful as black men, as men of color, as minority males. Healing usually looks different for us. When you think of healing and we think of healing it should come with a, a lens of self-consciousness. It should come with a lens of self-growth. It should come with a lens of, of doing something different and getting help with healing. But so many times our help looks like something that is uh, masking or covering up how we feel. So how many brothers you know that they get their healing from smoking some weed or they get their healing from going to mess with some ladies or they get their healing from some alcohol. And I'll argue that that's not healing. That's kind of covering it up and masking how you feel. And you're never going to actually heal because you're just pushing it down. You're pushing it into that box. And so, you know, let's unpack it a little bit today. <laughs> let's talk about it. And, you know, I think of a story and I had friends and, and relatives, you know, I had this one friend once. He was a good-looking dude. You know, like, I'm not scared to say another man is a good-looking guy. You know, he's a handsome guy. But he really never did well with the ladies. He really never did well with the ladies. Kind of shy. Didn't really understand his abilities. And so I think there was always other stuff going on, too. You know, not that he a little introverted, never really talked about it. But as we got older, maybe 16, 17, he started turning to some alcohol. And so alcohol was kind of his vice. It helped him and, you know, it helped him to be who he wanted to be. So it helped him be who he wanted to be. And so he turned to vodka. And when he turned to vodka, if he didn't drink too much, you know, his abilities, he became a little more extrovert. I think he became who he wanted to be. And all that hurt and trauma or whatever was holding him back, it stopped holding him back because his inhibitions were gone and he was able to like express himself differently and, and do what he wanted to do and be who he wanted to be. And so, you know, that was interesting to see. Now, when he drank too much, he became noxious and an animal, almost monstrous and where no one wanted to be around him. I, I believe he got to a point where, you know, he rode around with the cheap vodka in his car, the Rickoloff. Yeah, how many of you out, out there know the Rickoloff, the cheap stuff. From what I heard, we're in our 40s and I heard he still rides around with the Rickoloff. Again, I can't prove that. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him in a little while. I hope my brother's doing well. But, you know, from my perspective, it looked like he was hiding from his trauma and he wasn't healing. And then I had a cousin. I had a cousin who, I still have a cousin. He's still my cousin. Love dude. His vice was something different. His vice was weed. And so, he turned to weed for everything. So weed became his breakfast, his lunch, and his dinner. 
kind of lowered his inhibitions for different reasons. You know, he never had a problem with ladies. I think it just always other circumstances, other trauma that happens to young Black males growing up and things that we're exposed to and things that we go through. You know, I've given you statistics before on all the trauma and all the things that are slated towards why there is trauma in our lives, right? But he would heal himself by going to the weed. So if something was wrong, I'm about to go smoke a L. If something was right, I'm about to go smoke a L. To where that weed became more important than almost anything else. And that was what his cover-up was, and that's how he healed. But it was really, again, just pushing down the issues. So how many of us out there are just pushing out the issues? We're pushing out the issues and pushing them down, rather, and covering them up with something that's like, you know, taking some nasty food and putting a bunch of sauce on it and hopefully that it's going to make this so the food taste better and it's, it's really not it's really covering it up but once you keep biting on it and eating on it you gonna know that food doesn't taste good and then there's me i had my own vices you know and a lot of my vices and we'll talk about a little bit why in a second we're ladies i love the ladies and my vices were women and with my vices, you know, I masked my trauma, my pain through uh, finding comfort in multiple women, finding comfort in women in the stands of almost quantity and not quality. So f- even if I was in a quality relationship, the I wanted to sometime find quantity and get my needs met. So I felt some needs and I felt some trauma. And a lot of that trauma stemmed from, you know, my my home and my background and things that I felt like I didn't get as a kid that I needed. And it made me feel better when I was able to get with a woman and have an intimate or sexual experience. And it made me feel better. It made me feel like wanted. It made me feel needed. It made me feel cared about. But again, it was putting barbecue sauce on some nasty ass chicken that, that wasn't, that was burnt. You know, it wasn't ever curing the problem, wasn't ever helping it. So I had to do the work to heal. And that's really part of, you know, what we're talking about. And and it's a continuous journey. It's a journey where healing doesn't stop. Healing needs to continue and I have to continue working on it to be who I want to be. So, you know, let's go into why I felt that way. You know, often I would feel that way uh, because I felt alone growing up. I felt alone and I felt not loved. I felt not cared about. You know, I I came from a household where there's all kinds of abuse. I came from a household where there was drug issues. I came from a household where we were poor. I came from a household where there was depression. There was mental illness and mental issues. There was depression and depression is real. And so I had to find ways to cope. And often because of depression, I would be left alone for Weeks at a time where they were in the same house, but there wouldn't be a lot of interaction or a lot of contact because of depression. And so, you know, that translated into me being raised by the television, being raised by friends, being raised by my own thoughts and my own feelings. And on top of, as I got older, being exposed to the traumas of the world in the neighborhood and the things that were coming at me and trying to adjust and adapt to figure out what was right, what was wrong, who did I want to be? And you know, I always knew I wanted to be successful. I always knew that I wanted to be somebody and to get there and to get important and to be great and to move from that gutter to greatness. I had to figure out strategies and tactics that worked so I didn't live in that hurt. And and for me, I didn't really know how to deal with it. 
You know, I wasn't going to therapy. Uh, you know, therapy is kind of an ugly word in our community. It's a little bit taboo. I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do to heal, but I would cover it up and I'd put the barbecue sauce on the nasty ass chicken by by finding women. And every time, you know, I was able to, to mess with a woman or deal with her, sleep with her, I would feel like a conquest. But that conquest would feel like translate to love to me or feeling wanted or accepted. And then I was able to separate and that personal and professional. So that was personally, I was going through that and continue to always have some of those feelings, almost like an addict and that I got to deal with. And I continue to deal with, I continue to push myself to be better and push myself to heal and work on it and be in the moment and be mindful and, and really work towards being appreciative and more of an attitude of gratitude for what I have and not what else that I, I think that I might need. And so, you know, I'm working on that. But on the other end, I was always able to maintain a level of professional and separate and put all my hurt feelings in a box and stuff them away. And then professionally dive into my cover-up was diving into my career and trying to heal my hurt by covering it up with more sauce, but just professionally to do the work. And that ended up being, elements of it ended up being good because I got a lot done. I was able to help others, but I can't truly help others unless I really was able to help myself. And so I had to do more healing, you know, and God gave us our parents. God gave us our parents and, you know, we were destined to be with who we are. So and what does that mean, right? So we were, our, our parents were given to us. God gave us our parents and we didn't choose them. And there must have been some lessons that God knew I had to learn and I had to overcome and I had to heal from to be able to work towards being greater later. You know, I'm never su super religious, but I'm super spiritual. So I definitely believe that God is in everything. And he has this uh, dry erase board for our lives, right? That, so think about it as the white dry erase boards. And I think God has it filled out already. So imagine you walk into a classroom and the dry erase board has the whole lesson for the day on it. And I believe that's what God has that already for our lives. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But see, when we walk in and we walk into this life, I feel like we can't necessarily see what's on that dry erase board right away. And so things appear when they're supposed to appear, but we also have this free will to write our own stories on the dry erase board. And so no matter what happens to us, we have the freedom and the free will to be able to change the trajectory of our lives by either good or bad with good or bad consequences. And so some of that is also in this destiny that God has for us in this dry erase board, that he knows what's going to happen to us from probably the time that we wake up in the morning to the time that we die and the time that we arrived here for birth. So it's all written and he knows what he wants for us and what we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be and what we're going to have to go through. So I believe that God knew I was going to have to go through these lessons and I was going to have to go through these hurt and whatever it was uh, like a uh, whole from karma you know, and whatever karma I had to be able to go through and now figure it out. There was healing I was going to have to do. And on that dry erase board, I had to figure out which story am I going to go through? Am I going to uh, go left or am I going to go right? Am I going to heal from it? Am I going to heal so I can help others? Am I going to help others and be contradicting myself and not really be authentic? So I, 
And you know what? I didn't always make the right choices. So I, I didn't always make the right choices. And I think next episode is on relationships. And we'll talk about relationships, some of those wrong choices, some of the other things, and go deeper into that. But the hurt and trauma that I often felt, some of it was not following God's plan and doing the work to heal because I didn't feel like I could because it's almost like a nasty word in our community. It was almost like a nasty word that you're embarrassed about, like it makes you weak. Healing isn't weak. Healing is helpful. Healing is healthy. Healing will change your life. But being willing to heal is what you need to be introspective and to do the work. Uh, How can you become more mindful? And what does that look like? Because why do people become bad? So people become bad. Again, you have those choices. Like uh, no one's born bad. You have morals, characters, values, integrity. uh, But you have the ability to make unrighteous decisions. And usually it's because you're hurt in pain and you're hurt on the inside or don't feel good about yourself or that negative self-talk. And so you do something else to hurt yourself or to hurt someone else, or you don't care if you hurt somebody else. But if we go back to that dry erase board, is that what God really wants for you or wants for us or wants for our lives? There's so much more for your lives. There's so much more that you can be doing if you allow yourself to heal. And part of what I had to do was I had to go on a journey you know, from reading, from writing, to journaling, to therapy. You know, I, I, that therapy can be embarrassing in some circles. Like, oh, the barbershops are therapy, or, or let the church heal us. And not to say that the church can't heal. The church is a healing hand, and God is there, and you can go there to get in touch with your God. But at the end of the day, God also put therapists on the planet. God also put mental health uh, as far as good and bad, because we all have our own lessons. And so doing the work. So I started going to therapy, you know, and I've had good and bad therapists. You know, I had this one therapist one time who I felt like she was judging me and she would be judging me and she would judge me and things that I said or did. She wasn't helping me, but I felt like she was scolding me and I pulled away. Like I I, I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to talk to her anymore. So, you know, I had to figure out that she wasn't the right therapist for me. And you often go through therapists to figure out the right one. And, you know, I've had other therapists. I went to couples counseling before. And, you know, that was interesting because we went to couples counseling and that that therapist was initially supposed to do us. Mike's wife said then, hey, do you think that you could see me individually and see us? And the therapist was like, yeah, sure, I, I can do both. And, you know, it sounded more like a money thing to me. But, She did both. And then her judgment started to slant. Instead of being objective and helping us work through things, she started to now take my ex-wife's issues. And those two now decided to team up on me. And so we wouldn't talk about what's going on and how do we get through it and how we work on it. How do we become better people? How do we get through it? Strategies. We would talk about my ex-wife's issues that were slanted to one perspective because the woman got some issues. (laughs) But, you know, much love to her. I won't say nothing too much. Uh, I just hope she continues to heal and go on her journey and wish her nothing but the best. But so they talked about her things and her things that were wrong she didn't like. And then it became an hour of them telling me what I wasn't doing right and not examining the relationship. So that wasn't healthy. It just wasn't healthy. It, again, caused me to shut down. And it, it could have caused me to not want to get therapy. But then I've also had some good experiences with my, like my last therapist was actually a black male, a black male 
who was really helpful in helping me see and be introspective without judging and helping me work through to work on figuring out what my truth is and what I need to work on and where my issues stem from. And a lot of it does stem from <clears throat> the hurt and the pain that I felt growing up and and why you know, I had to work on letting that go. And as I let that go, you know, and as I release and as I open that box, because I often put things away in this box and then I mask it like other people. I said, other people cover it up with weed, with alcohol, with women or with men or however you cover it up or with stealing or with violence or or something that makes you feel better. You're covering it up and you're putting barbecue sauce on nasty ass chicken that was burnt. So at the end of the day, I had to do that work. I had to unpack it. I had to figure out what was in the box. And then I had to work on it. I had to work on being more mindful, being in the moment. I've never been a person who was complacent. Always about the next thing, but sometimes the next thing was more important than what I was doing right now. And that's because I didn't want to deal with or face what was happening to me right now or the feelings that I was going through. Because I was taught that feelings aren't okay. Like as a man, oh, you don't cry. You don't have feelings. And as a black and brown man, it's okay to get in touch with their feelings. And that kind of takes me to the mindfulness minute here. And, you know, sometimes I'm a little longer with the mindfulness minute. It might be a longer minute as, as, as I'm on CPT time with my minutes, right? But the mindfulness minute for me is having to do with healing. And something I really had to work through was the fact that I didn't have a father. And that was also part of what was wrong and how many of our young black men don't have their fathers there and how many of our young black men don't have their fathers because the fathers didn't have fathers and they were we were emasculated as people in our slave days and now it has been ingrained in our dna and now we're not carrying over to be the men that we're supposed to be in raising our children specifically talking about our sons right now so i didn't have a father and it was interesting he had a father and he had a good father but he was uh, ended up addicted to drugs and um, just wasn't there, wasn't present, wasn't available. Sometimes in the same city, but I wouldn't see him for years. If I saw him once every five years, that was a lot. Um, and I always felt like what hurt was, I felt like if my father was there, maybe he would have saved me. And if he would have wanted me and if he would have loved me enough, he would have saved me from some of the hurt and trauma I was going through. And he wasn't there. He didn't save me. He didn't love me enough to save me. And that hurt. That hurt to the point where I was angry. I was resentful, but I was carrying around that anger and that resent to the point where my other family members, I resented them. I didn't want anything to do with them. I didn't want to do anything with my own sisters who and my brother who are on my father's side because I resented him because I had like almost a hate and an anger in my heart. And it was holding me back. It was holding me back from being great because if I didn't heal from that, it was like a wall. And I kept hitting my head on a wall and hitting my head in situations and not working through them. I had not going ar around over and under and everything that I preach, I wasn't practicing. So my counselor, my therapist, he helped me see that I needed to face that. I needed to unpack it. I needed to do the healing. I actually called my father and we were able to have this dialogue and work through some of it. And, you know, he apologized he, and he also made some excuses and he also, you know, doesn't always have a clue, but I accept him for who he is and that he was going through his own trauma and had his own issues. And it wasn't because he didn't care about me. It was because he didn't care about himself. 
and I had to work towards that healing and letting go. And as I've started to let go, and as I've started to heal, which is still a process, I have been able to move more into greatness. So if you want to move into your greatness, I encourage you to heal as well and heal so you can be the person that you're meant to be. So thank you for listening to the gut of the greatness. Remember, healing is helpful and, and there's nothing wrong with admitting that you got feelings. That's it for today's episode. So head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing for a $25,000 private epic VIP day with Dr. Miller himself. Be sure to head on over to guttertogreatness.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Miller's gift and join us on the next episode. <laughs>